Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Ross Martin and Greg Barnes, our weekly deal here. It's been a while, fellas, seven days to be exact. John Siegley been holding down the fort on these podcasts right frequently, and he'll be with you tomorrow or Thursday with Don Callahan on football recruiting signing. But Ross, I'll start with you first. You were in Tennessee. You were in the environment. Carolina goes there, plays that true road game, comes away with what I think is the most impressive win of the season by far. Your take on what you saw up and close at Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, a true road atmosphere. We've obviously talked about it a lot at various forms before, uh, after the game, but it was rowdy in there. It was tough. It was high pressure. The UNC trailed the majority of the game. I think the stat was something like, you know, 90 seconds. It was just the only amount of time that UNC led. So showed a lot of just grit and toughness to trail the whole game and then play and defend and score when it mattered late. And that's the that's kind of the test of a good team that can get it done when it matters. You know, it's not the not the first um, thirty nine minutes, the last minute that really matters. And uh, guys stepped up. You saw the veteran leadership and veteran play of guys like Theo Pinson and, and Joel Berry and Kenny Williams and Luke May. And you know, it, it really was a, a pretty intimidating atmosphere. The volunteer student fans were yelling and um, kind of rattling. The UNC team during warmups, you know, saying ridiculous stuff, kind of had that almost like a Cameron Crazy vibe uh, at the beginning of the game there. And uh, obviously a, a great road win for UNC, something they can build on. I think, as the players said, you know, a lot of players grew up, including the freshman Garrison Brooks, Sterling Manley, who, who played well in the second half. And then I think a big game for Kenny Williams in terms of just having that confidence to knock down that shot. Um, obviously a big moment for him. And I think, you know, he's arrived as a big time player for UNC. We've been talking about him, you know, all season as being that a good solid player for UNC that does a lot of things well, but his defense and just that, just the, the cojones to, to step in and knock that shot was, was very significant. I think for him moving forward this season. Greg, when people talk about Carolina playing on the road, everybody says, well, it helps in March, you know, to get them ready for the tournament. But it helps a great deal in ACC play because that atmosphere in Tennessee will be matched, if not exceeded, multiple times on the road in the conference. Your thoughts on that point? And also, like Ross said, kids growing up. Because I thought in the first half, with the exception of Sterling Manley, they got pushed around fairly well. And they adjusted at halftime with some help from their coach and played the second half, especially the very end of the game, lights out like they have so many times in the past year. Your thoughts overall on how this game affects the rest of the year? Well, I think there's kind of two key points to be made here. Number one, this is the North Carolina team we expected to see this year. There are more. There are other teams in the country that are more talented than Tar Heels. We knew that coming in. Uh, and it's going to be the that way the rest of the season. But where North Carolina has the edge is that it has veteran players who have played in a ton of big games. Uh, a lot of these guys have played in two national championship games. 
Joe Barry and Theo Pinson have played in 15 NCAA tournament games in their career. Grayson Allen, who's also a senior, he's got a national championship. He's only played in 11. So when you compare that to kind of what most players around the country have played in, regardless of how good they are, you can't touch that experience. And like you say, Tommy, I mean, if you go back to the Arkansas game last year, go back to the Oregon game, I mean, even Gonzaga late in that game, North Carolina had to make plays late, and you know, Joel Berry was a big part of that. Theo Pinson was a big part of that. Luke May, I mean, Kentucky, hello. These guys were big parts of these games. And so we talked earlier in the year about you know, the Michigan State game. Yeah, they got smacked around early, which is okay. That happens. But they didn't battle back. They didn't fight back. And one of my takeaways from that game is, you know, if, if the guards don't play better and they don't kind of you know, instill that, that toughness of, hey, we may not be as talented, but we're going to grit you to death, right? We're going to rise above and be tough at the end and make the smart play. We didn't see that in that game. That had to get better. And we saw all that come together at Tennessee. Tennessee is a very good team. They gave Villanova a run for their money. They were up on Villanova. Uh, for much of that game until Villanova just kind of got hot there late. But that was not a home environment. And that was, I guess, in the Bahamas. Uh, but Ross, I, I can imagine just kind of watching it from, from afar as I did, that place was, was hopping. I mean, that was the oh, yeah. first sellout crowd they've had in, what, like four years? Something like that. Uh, and so, I mean, it's that's a very tough scene to deal with. And at, when you get in those situations, it's not about talent. You know, talent helps, but you've got to make the right play. You've got to be gritty enough to make the shot like Kenny did. Uh, you've got to be gritty enough to play smart like some of the freshmen do. And so this is the type of game that North Carolina is going to have to win. Now, going to your, your initial question, Tommy, I agree with you. A lot of people say, ah, oh, yeah, the preseason, they play some of these tough games. That prepares them for the postseason. I don't think so. The ACC is tough enough to prepare you for the NCAA tournament. I mean, the ACC schedule is a bear. But you have to prepare for that, right? And so what Roy does is he says, you know what? The ACC is tough. We're going to play some tough games in the preseason too. So when these guys, you know, they play Wake, and then they have to go on the road to Florida State, and then they have to go on the road to Virginia, they're going to be like, okay, these are tough places to play. But, I mean, we've played on the road against some very good teams. Um, we've played in neutral site games against the very good teams. And so I think the way that Roy builds his teams, he follows a similar pattern with how he builds his schedules. He wants them tough early. He wants some games where his, his guys can have the opportunity to learn against some weak opponents, but then really test them. We've seen that this year. So when they get in the ACC play, he knows who he can probably trust. And then, of course, there's a big learning curve. Who can withstand the grind? And then by the time you get to the postseason, you're ready to roll. And we've seen that play out time and time again. Uh, but the key takeaway for me with the Tennessee game, as I mentioned, was that Barry and Pinson and Kenny and Luke, they all showed up when they needed to late. And that's what this team is going to have to do a bunch once we get the ACC play. Yeah, it's the small things, too, those veteran guys do. And I know they talked about it a lot on the broadcast, but the little pick that Pinson set for Kenny Williams just enough for him to get that shot off uncontested or at least 
he once he gets up, it doesn't matter if the defender jumps. It's too late. Um, and Barry makes those plays. Uh, Ross, what I wanted to ask you about is I saw a stat, and I know you're not a huge stat guy. I'm not either, but something like Pinson in close late games, he's 12 for his last 12, or something ridiculous free throws, whereas he only shoots what? Looking at his stats, he shoots 76 overall, but maybe down in the 60s, not including those close games. I mean, that is what Greg's talking about. A guy that doesn't shoot it well from the perimeter, makes the plays they need, but then knocks down foul shots that are huge. Uh, speak to Pinson's play there late against Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, it's not just the free throws. He plays with such confidence, and I think that just is because of his personality. Um, you talk to the guy. I mean, the guy is very, very confident in how he carries himself with the media, you know, joking around, um, you know, supporting his teammates, that kind of deal. He just he realizes, you know, they've got a good UNC has a good team. He trusts his teammates. He's a good player, all that stuff. And that translates to the floor. You saw that with a big rebound um, on the defensive side. And then obviously with knocking down free throws, not being rattled. You know, they've been in this position uh, multiple times in, in the NCAA tournament last year. Um, and just not being rattled by the moment was huge. And it did feel like those late game scenarios that we experienced. Um, last season in Phoenix against uh, against Oregon and against Gonzaga. It had that kind of vibe. You know, every possession mattered in the last two minutes. Edge of your seats, trying to figure out who's going to make the shot, who's going to make the stop, and then coming down, knocking down the free throws to seal the game. And then people aren't – I mean, people are talking about it a little bit, but the fact that, you know, Theo was savvy enough to kind of set that little screen, hand off the ball to Kenny Williams. Kenny Williams kind of knew where – he was going to get the ball and be able to step into that three was big. And that comes with the experience of playing with each other for, you know, three years and, and knowing kind of your tendencies. And I wrote about that on Sunday, the fact that, you know, Kenny knew he was gonna get the ball back right there. Once Theo kind of started dribbling to him, he knew that little screen was going to be set and he was, he was ready for the shot, knew he was going to take it, stepped in and knocked it down. And it's that, that kind of whole play kind of almost summarizes the, uh, the value of having that having that veteran leadership and I mean Theo's stat line I think it was seven points uh nine rebounds I believe and eight assists I mean that's incredible for what he's doing for this team right now uh, obviously you know messed up on some threes didn't knock him down I don't think he should shoot a three the rest of the season there's no need but what he does just as a playmaker and an assist man is huge I mean he had eight assists playing the the small four position and maybe a little bit of power forward um, that's incredible, and obviously his teammates trust him. Roy trusts him. He played, I think, 35 minutes, something like that, and um, he's big, and they, he may not be the, the best offensive player, but what he does just as a playmaker, as a distributor, as a rebounder, um, as a drive-and-dish guy is huge for this team and really balances out what, El what Joel Berry and Kenny Williams and Luke may bring because Theo doesn't need to be taking tons of shots he takes, needs to take the right shots and um, and just sets up his teammates, and that's huge. One other stat that I think is, is important from the Tennessee game that, that kind of highlights what North Carolina has done well this year is a lot of people have kind of harped on the fact, like we always do, about how teams are shooting too high of a percentage from three-point range. But when you talk about that, I think sometimes we kind of forget the the – inverse of that although i guess it's really not an inverse but the counter to that is that 
Tennessee only shot 38% from inside the arc, from two-point field goal range. And that has been a consistent trend all year long. You know, according to Ken Palm, UNC is, is holding opponents to 41% shooting from inside the arc. That's eighth best in the country. Um, if you'd have told me that was going to be the situation 11 games in, um, with this group of bigs, with Luke May, who's kind of an undersized forward, and then three true freshmen who are all a little raw, uh, I would have thought you know, something was amiss. Now, Roy Williams will tell you they have a long way to go defensively. But I think just the fact that they, they've been active and they have good length, um, they do a good job, especially in the perimeter, with helping whenever somebody is able to drive, kind of you know, collapsing and preventing some of those uh, guards getting to the rim, that bodes well because you can look at the schedule and say, well, they've played a lot of teams that, that play small. Well, yeah, but that's kind of where the college game's going. And Roy Williams has kind of bucked that trend. We we thought he'd be playing a lot more small ball this year than he has. And maybe when Cam Johnson comes back, yeah, that'll change a little bit. Uh, but that that's kind of been a, a hidden storyline this year, I think, and and that paid dividends in Knoxville as well. Let's talk about those bigs a little bit, Ross. And we talked off the air, and I said it earlier in the podcast, I thought Sterling Manley was the only one that didn't look kind of shell-shocked early. Um, and he had a big block late. I think it was off an offensive rebound Tennessee got, and, and Manley rejected it and started maybe a break for Carolina. I can't remember exactly Sunday was a blur for me personally but uh garrison brooks starts sterling manley comes off the big bench and then brandon huffman's getting a few minutes here and there ross your thoughts on who starts and if it matters and we know sterling manley won't until a conditioning issue uh, but i think they're both complementing each other well brooks certainly picked it up in the second half against tennessee yeah i mean sterling manley was the biggest guy on the floor by far uh, at Tennessee, Tennessee didn't have anybody close to that length, and that just really helped him. I think he was exposed a little bit on defense, having to get out and kind of guard some of their quicker players, and that's going to be an issue moving forward. I think Rolly's talked about this as well. You know, finding the right balance of playing a big man like Sterling Manley, who is not that fleet of foot against teams that can roll out, you know, four or five very mobile guys, and having to kind of step out and guard. Um, a guy around the three-point line. But, yeah, he made some big plays. He had, that, he had a, a big dunk kind of late. He got some rebounds. And he's him and Garrison Brooks are, are combining to be kind of what they need to be. Um, you know, as, as, a, as a group, I, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know the numbers in front of me, but I'm sure they're averaging pretty close to a double-double and providing the rebounding UNC needs. Obviously, here and there, there's a couple mistakes with boxing out and just being in the right position, but that's expected as freshmen. And just moving forward, I mean, these guys are going to get better every game. I thought each guy made a couple big plays throughout the second half that was big for UNC. Um, I mean, apparently, Sterling Manley is not going to start a game this season because he hasn't passed his third running test. We're not sure exactly what that running test is. I talked to him in the locker room, and he was just like, yeah, I'm not going to pass it. Uh, I'm just going to wait till after the season to pass it, so I'm probably not going to start. He's just kind of <laughs> flipping about it. So it looks like Garrison Brooks will be the guy moving forward unless, you know, Roy um, – switches up but i think that's fine they're, they're both kind of sharing minutes roy went with starting manly a lot more than brooks um at the beginning of the game and kind of into the first half and into the second half but uh i think both are playing pretty well and and maybe a little bit better than we expected i'd love to hear what greg kind of has to think about the liability of having a guy like sterling manly 
who at times looks a little unstable on defense going against very talented, you know, four, you know, power forwards and centers who are more mobile and how that kind of affects UNC's lineup moving forward. Well, on that topic, I think it's just going to be trial by fire because you're going to have to play mainly because he has so much potential. And I've been just incredibly impressed with how much he has progressed through you know, the first two months of the season. And really, that's since we've seen him since preseason. And so there are going to be some games where he's going to you know, look bad. Some guys are going to make him look bad. Uh, and I guess the kind of the balance there is you know, how many good plays does he have? Um, and you know, Roy Williams will we'll, we'll know that because if if he has too many bad plays and not enough good, Roy's going to not play him as much. But I, I think fans need to realize that going into some of these games, he's going to be abused at times. Uh, and that's going to help his learning curve. Because if he if he continues at the arc that he's owned, uh, he can get a lot better by tournament time. And if he's playing a lot better, and if Brooks is continuing to improve, and once you get Cam Johnson back, I mean, you know, this team can do a lot of things. So I, I think you know, from my eyes, that tells me that. Roy clearly is a lot smarter than any of us, and so I'm sure he probably sees something similar. So I think you'll see Sterling play, even though there'll be some liabilities there. Now, the uh, the running tests. Let's talk about that for a second. Hmm. We know there's three running tests. Uh, the first two uh, seem to be relatively easy. I mean, the first one is just the mile run. The guys run uh, the end of preseason conditioning, uh, and then after that, uh, they've got a like a 12 minute run where basically you go out on the track, and I think you have to run like six or seven laps. Yeah, I think it's six and a half minutes. in 12 minutes, something like that. Okay, so those two are not tough. But then the one that gets tough is is the 33s. And um, you know, we see it a lot in a little bit of practice that we get to see is that when somebody doesn't box out or somebody does something wrong, Royal blow the whistle and you know, whatever team that was, white or blue, they'll go to the baseline and they'll have to run full sprints all the way down to the baseline, all the way back. And uh, you know, 33s are where they run down and back, I think, six times. And apparently they've got to do that 12 times within their time limit, that 33 seconds, like 12 out of 15 times, something like that. And so I'm all but certain that's probably where he's uh, fallen behind because that's tough. It's it's tough to be able to accomplish that in the course of a season when you're playing two games a week. So, But as Ross said, that is is the rule. You've got to be able to pass all three of those to be eligible to start. But as Roy Williams has told us countless times before, it really doesn't matter who starts. It matters who finishes. Yeah, and Sterling Manley seems to have a a decent attitude about it. I know guys care whether they start or not, but ultimately, if you win, that's all that matters. I'm going to take a quick break, come back. I'm going to ask Greg a question, then we're going to look ahead to Wofford, Ohio State, Christmas break, and then the ACC season starts. We'll be right back. Greg, one last thing about this Tennessee game that kind of made me laugh is at halftime Seth Greenberg said that Tennessee's got a chance because they've got some junkyard dogs and (laughs) he was right I mean the Williams kid and Admiral Schofield sounds like a name out of a movie those guys gave Carolina problems especially Grant Williams but it's almost like he forgot about Joel Berry and Theo Pinson and now Kenny Williams I mean when Carolina's been good and won national championships, they've had guys like that. 
We saw it last year with the same guys. Uh, now you add in Kenny Williams. I mean, say what you will about Roy Williams. Say what you will about Roy Williams' style. But this is shaping up, to me at least, to be one of the tougher North Carolina teams that I've seen play. Yeah, you know, I have to wonder if comments like that are kind of based in that stretch of years, a few years back, where even, you know, Tommy, you and me were kind of questioning, you know, is this team tough enough? Uh, we had that discussion a lot, you know, especially with Bryce and Kennedy when they were young. And so maybe there's some carry over there that kind of gets stuck in people's head. But I don't know how you can look at this team and kind of watch what they did, I mean, two years ago, watch what they did last year uh, with Joel getting hurt, uh, with some of the adversity they had to go through. You know, They nearly gave the game away against Kentucky. Most teams just wilt in that situation. And you know, North Carolina clearly won that game. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't know how you question the toughness of this team. I mean, yeah, you got to have junkyard dogs if you want to beat North Carolina. But that's because North Carolina has enough of those guys that you have to match. And, you know, Joel Berry is as tough as they come. And there's, I mean, just what he went through with his ankle last year kind of proved that to me. There's no doubt about that. And uh, Theo maybe doesn't show it in terms of his personality like Joel does. Uh, but but Theo's made some great plays. I mean, as much as we talk about the Luke May shot against Kentucky, who set it up for him? Theo did. Who got the tip out against Oregon? Theo did. Uh, you know, the free throws against Tennessee, Theo. And so, you know, and Kenny's a defensive guy. And there, there's something about being able to play great defense that kind of lends itself to that that tough mentality. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I'm sure we'll continue to hear some things like that. But, uh, you know, this is somebody not either not paying attention or they're just kind of stuck in some, some previous biases that haven't uh, filtered through yet. Yeah, I think Theo and Joel are, are tough and gritty enough and have it and have what you need to win those late games. And I think Luke and Kenny have this chip on their shoulder because they were this class that was so you know underranked, and it was these two guys that UNC took because they had to take somebody, and they were you know out of the the top fifty, they were low ranked you know guys like borderline four star, three star guys that UNC normally would wouldn't have taken. And now they're playing, you know, like big time, you know, four star, five star guys for Carolina. I think that chip on their shoulder has uh, has drove them to to be who they are, and they kind of live with that kind of the 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 doubt that players, the fans, and and the media have had of what they can do. I mean, I you know, I've said that you know they're limited. I've always said that Luke is limited, and and you know Kenny wasn't the highest rated guy, and that UNC is recruiting below their standards and these guys are stepping up and, and playing great on offense and 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 being tough and winning games and making big plays in march and proving me wrong so i think that is something that those two players kenny and luke in particular have kind of carried with them and you kind of see that in their play and how they've kind of carried themselves and and worked hard to get to where they are now yeah i had a funny back and forth with those guys a couple of weeks ago and i asked kenny i said look yeah this is the lowest ranked recruiting class that Roy Williams has signed at UNC, not counting that 07 class when he didn't sign anybody. Uh, you know, did you come in thinking that, hey, you know, we're going to have to bond together and really push through? And Kenny gave the perfect PC answer, saying, hey, you know, no, it didn't bother me because we got here. And we said, you know what? The rankings no longer matter. 
you've got to be able to produce here. It was a, it was a very well thought out answer. And then I go over to Luke and ask him the same questions. Oh yeah, we, we absolutely knew that. We knew we wanted to show that we could actually play. We were better than what they said our rankings were. We, we kind of made a bond together that we were going to do this. So it was, it was a pretty funny uh, back and forth when Kenny was putting on the, the perfect PC face and Luke was letting the emotions come out of it. And that, that's funny. Cause I mean, a little, little insider knowledge here. I mean, Kenny's a great interview, always yep. good for a great quote and, and we'll sit down and kind of talk with you and, really flesh out an answer and i love talking to him about you know anything because he, he's so honest and and can really be really thoughtful and luke it seems to be the more guy who, who gives the the pc kind of coach speak um yep. usually sure. I, I usually go to kenny when i need a, a quote about a player or something like that yep. good stuff there it's, it, their personalities expand and it's pretty fun to watch i mean i've had the opportunity to interview a few guys that if you got anything other than coach speak you were doing something, so good to hear about Kenny Williams. Look forward to more of those interviews, Ross. Uh, let's <laughs> talk about the uh, the future here. Carolina's got Wofford on Wednesday night. Tonight, if you're listening on Wednesday, uh, Wofford's got a guy that can shoot the lights out. Then they play Ohio State, and then the Christmas break, and then it's on to the ACC slate that we've hinted at earlier in the show. Ross, with Wofford coming in, uh, letdowns are always a thing. But I think Roy Williams has got this team where he wants them right now. Your take on that, and also Cameron Johnson. I keep hearing he's closer. Your take. Yeah, I mean, Wofford's not an awful team. It beat Georgia Tech uh, 63-60. Tennessee also beat Georgia Tech. I I don't really know how good the Yellow Jackets are. Wofford killed High Point. Um, They lost to UNCA, Texas Tech. Who really knows how good the Terriers are? are going to be, but I don't think it's a game you can just overlook. I think it's going to be a, uh, it's not going to be like the Western Carolina game, but looking ahead for UNC, Ohio state, definitely not a team that should, I don't think it's that scary of a game. I think it's one of their lesser kind of power five um, non-conference games, but then it's just, I mean, right around the corner, December 30th is Wake Forest. That's when it starts December 30th, Wake Forest and January 3rd, Florida state and it's go time there. And I think this Tennessee game, that win is huge to kind of, Show them what it takes to win a game. I think a Michigan State game was big for UNC to kind of let them know, you know, what you have to bring every game or you can get hit in the mouth and you're going to be embarrassed on national television. So I think those two games, Michigan State and Tennessee, are something that fans and the team will look back on. We'll be talking about in March about, oh, the turning point was when they lost to Michigan State or, you know, they really showed how good they were against Tennessee. It's just those kind of games that, uh, us scribes kind of look back on uh, Cameron Johnson. You know, I talked to him one on one in the locker room in Knoxville. Good kid, great kid, pretty honest. You know, he's just feeling out his knee. He's going through warmups. Really said he's practicing more. You know, who knows what that really means? I, I don't think he's running full speed and 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 defending players and and doing all the different you know, normal stuff you would do. He said the hardest thing is is being able to react. So, you know, when you run, you know what you're doing. You're running forward or if you, you know, if you turn and, and, and do a defensive slide, you know you're doing that. The hardest thing is when you have to react to someone when you're playing defense and you don't know what's going to happen. And then you have to trust that your knee and your body is going to be there for you when you make that decision to move. And that kind of innate I don't know, physical awareness has to come back to him. And he was working closely with 
Doug Halverson, UNC's uh, athletic trainer, on the court on Sunday. I mean, he was. I mean, the knee looks like it's is flexible. I mean, I'm no doctor, so I'm kind of talking out of. I don't really know what I'm talking about now, but it was flexing. He was running. He was shooting. He was jumping. And obviously, Roy talked about that more on his uh, radio show on um, on I guess Monday night. And I think uh, you know, I think it's going to be a couple practices here and there. Maybe Ohio State. Maybe Wake Forest. Greg, what say you about this situation? Yeah. I think, as we've talked about you know, off the air, I don't think it would be a surprise uh, if he played against Ohio State on Saturday. Uh, I'm kind of leaning towards the Wake Forest game. But, you know, Joel Berry came back a little bit sooner than I expected. And Roy said that you know, he really just kind of wanted to you know, knock some of the rust off um, before they you know, went out to, to Portland. Uh, and so I don't know if he wants to maybe try to, you know, if he has a good week, and gets through practice on Friday, and you say, okay, you know what? Let's let's play him. Let's see how it goes. If he's a little bit sore, we've got a week off. So it wouldn't surprise me, but yeah, I'm I'm still kind of expecting him to come back uh, at full strength for that that Wake Forest game, which is kind of what we've pointed to uh, all along. But you know, Tommy, I'll, I'll kind of answer the first question you asked Ross because I think it's a good one. Kind of you know, moving forward. Uh, yeah, Walford's got you know, Fletcher McGee, who's it's gonna be fun to watch. I mean, the kid's shooting like 58% from three, uh, and so he's about all they've got. But they're a good shooting team, not very good defensively. So, uh, as Ross said, this should be one UNC should roll in. But I think Ohio State's a good test. I mean, they've, they've played a lot of uh, big name teams. I mean, they've lost to Gonzaga and Butler and Clemson, but they beat Wisconsin, they beat Michigan, they beat Stanford. You know, of course, two of those teams UNC has played and beat this year as well. Uh, they're pretty solid. I mean, Chris Holtman, uh, we know what he did at, at Butler, um, and he's he's kind of a guy that's that's kind of gritty and 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 tough. Um, and so you you see some some good defense, you see some good offense. They're a veteran club, and so I think that'll be a good test in New Orleans for the Tar Heels. Um, and then you get a little bit of a break, and and Wake Forest is is not good. Uh, so you know, at home, that should be a good one. But after that, I mean, things get serious quick. You know, as we mentioned earlier, uh, you, you're at Florida State, you, you've got Virginia, uh, you got BC, then you're you know, at Notre Dame, and so you know, and that's Notre Dame game is January 13th. So we're talking about in the span of you know, really 15 days, you have three road games, um, all against teams that are you know in the top 30, I think, in the RPI. So we're going to learn very quickly um, if this good is as good. This team is as good as we think they are, uh, and that's kind of how the ACC always is. But after that, it kind of slows down just a little bit, and then you have a very, you know, very brutal close to the season. North Carolina's had that several times in recent years, so they're accustomed to it. Uh, but but just get ready to get really fun really quick. Yeah, let me step in here real quick. I mean, Ohio State, I'm looking at their record now. Um, yeah, they've beaten Wisconsin, Michigan, um, dominating Appalachian State. So they have some better wins than I thought. You mentioned Clemson, Greg. And I want to kind of get off topic here, but how does Brad Brannell still have a job? It's you Clemson. Have any on... Yeah, Clemson. but he hasn't been to the tournament since his first year with all of the Purnell's players. He's been stealing money from the Tigers for like seven years now. Yeah, I would love to see his 
pre-ACC record. I'd match that record up against anybody in the country. I, Preseason ACC record. And I'll be honest with you, I really thought that when Frank Martin went to Columbia, I thought that was going to be the uh, the the mover because you know, Frank's good. He's a good coach. And I figured if South Carolina actually has success, uh, Brunel, Brunel's going to have some pressure. But, hey, you, when you've got a football team that's been to or going to be in three straight uh, college football playoffs, nobody cares about basketball. I mean, nobody cares about basketball down there. So, yeah, he is still in money. Uh, you know, I figured a couple of years ago they had a pretty solid team, at least on paper. And uh, with Blossom game, I guess his senior year, but they didn't do anything with it. So, so yeah, if, if he's there next year, uh, I'll be surprised. But I'm surprised he's, <laughs> I'm surprised he's still there now. So. Yeah, they're they're nine and one this year. He went to the first round of the NCAA tournament his first year, 2010, 2011. Hasn't been back since. So that was with all of Oliver's players, and then he's been in the NIT twice. Um, and then other times, he just hasn't gone the postseason. Like, I don't get it. And he, he you know, he pointed his finger at, at Roy Williams that one game when, I don't know, Kenny Meek said something. And, I mean, I just can't believe I mean, they should have the money now because of the football success to go out and hire a big-name coach. I mean, that's what happens, right? You get the money for one sport, and you're able to go out and hire somebody big like like a Frank Martin or, you know, a Buzz Williams that Virginia Tech did. I mean, when you have success, you should be able to go out and get a guy, not a, a loser like Brad Brunell hasn't done anything. He's he's five the last three years, he's five games over five hundred. Oh. Yeah, I mean if you want to dwell in good. mediocrity. Well, I think you said it. It's the football team. I mean, you probably asked the average Clemson student and they don't even know they play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> that place gets pretty rowdy, doesn't it? I've never been to a game there, but I mean they've they've not much it, else to do down there. To. Yeah, well they well, they've had some decent teams. You're talking about Purnell and some of those early Brunel teams. Uh, it, it got pretty rowdy, but but not not so much in recent years. Yeah, and it always seems rowdy when Carolina or Duke's there, but sure. other, yeah. otherwise it's a ghost town. Guys, I, I guess for me, I mean, we can wrap this show. For me, what I'll be looking for over the next three games, three weeks, is how Roy Williams integrates Cam Johnson back into it. Because, Greg, like you said, you got these three here, and then there's – what six games in 15 days or something ridiculous um and it's all acc so i'll be watching to see how he does that i'm not quite sure how he does it um but that's that's what he's gonna have to do because i think carolina needs him to to move forward to into reaching elite status don't you think greg yeah and roy said that you know theo i think played 35 minutes at tennessee kenny played 35 minutes you can't have that because if you do that in ACC play, uh, you're going to end up like Duke the last couple of years, and your guys are just gassed by the end of the season. And Roy does not want to do that. So Cam's going to need to take on some some big minutes early. Uh, and that's why I think they, they've kind of been somewhat cautious with him because they want to make sure that he's ready to go. But once he's ready, they're going to expect a lot out of him. Good stuff. Ross, Greg, appreciate you joining me. Hopefully we can do it maybe next week during the holidays. If I don't talk to y'all, I hope y'all have a good one. Uh, But that'll do it for this edition. Thanks, guys. See you, Tommy. Tommy. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.